What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. This is Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Follow at TweetJHood on Twitter. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Before Snapchat. What is that? Before Twitter. So what's the sitch? There was. (laughs) That's so throwback. Those were the good times. That's so throwback. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Throwback Thursday memories. I see a little silhouette of a man. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Put your hands on the throwback. All you need is love. It is time for Throwback Thursday. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is the telephone number. Want to get your reaction to our Throwback Thursday topic? We do it every Thursday. There's always something special. You know, Eric, there's nothing like thinking about things that were great from back in the day, right? There's always a memory. And we have to do Throwback Thursday before we lose our mind, before we lose our memory. So it's good to be able to go back from time to time. Nothing beats nostalgia in, in all senses. Yes, and thank goodness we have Facebook for that. (laughs) Full of it. Full of it. It reminds us of our nostalgia day in and day out. Oh, man. So we will tell you uh, what we put on our Facebook wall, facebook.com, Jonathan Hood. And I want you to weigh in as well, 312-332-ESPN. This, my friends, is our Throwback Thursday question of the night. And that is, what was your go-to alcoholic drink when you were in high school or college? Your go-to alcoholic drink when you're in high school or college. Now, here's the thing. We know that once you got to you know, prom, once you might have gone to some games and you were a, a junior or senior, you might have had a taste. And listen, there's, it's, it's a judge, judgment-free zone on this show. Uh, but when you got to college, maybe that's when you started really hammering some alcoholic drinks that was your favorite. Uh, we, we want you to tell us on Throwback Thursday... What was your go-to alcoholic drink when you were in high school or college? 312-332-ESPN is our telephone number. All right, Eric. So I want you to start first, and then I'll tell you my story of of uh, having a little taste when I was uh, in high school. All right. So mine is definitely from high school. It was, we would, like for, I don't know, every weekend or every time we'd have a party, it would be the same thing. We would get a bottle of lime juice and a bottle of SoCo, Southern Comfort. And it was just shots of that. And it was just constant shots of that. And we did it so often. It's one of those alcohols that I cannot even smell now. Like, it, is, <laughs> it instantly turns my stomach upside down. I can't, I can't even get a whiff of it. <laughs> okay. Brutal. Okay. okay. So, let me tell you something about the Hood family when I was growing up, okay? Mm-hmm. So, the Hood family, when I was growing up, for some reason, I saw my cousins every single weekend, every Saturday, every Friday night, every Saturday, there was always a party at the Hood's house. And I'm just kind of like, okay, 
So I'm seeing my cousins all the time. The reason why is because when you grow up with your grandparents and you grow up with uncles and stuff, they'd always come over. Whatever, for whatever reason, the, the hood house was the hub for the parties. And so, of course, if there's family members or friends of the family that are passed out, that's when young kids can be able to experiment. So I just remember, you know, just seeing a, like a number of just bodies just laid out there on the couch. And, you know, it's late and you're kind of coming down. And you're like, what is in these red cups? What are what is in this can? And so definitely the, the go to for me, because it was always left over, was old Milwaukee. <laughs> that was old Milwaukee beer because that was always around. There was always old style. There's always old Milwaukee. And this is a brown, uh, brown liquor family. Okay. This is, this is not uh, some of the frou frou stuff now or just, now this was an old foster family that I was raised in. Remember, my family's from Arkansas. Um, I don't, I'm not ashamed to say, like, you know, it's, <laughs> It's kind of funny when you have uncles come up from Arkansas, from Little Rock, and from uh, cities around Little Rock, and they, they drive up on a two-lane highway all the way up to Chicago, and they're like, yep, I got it. And you see this clear, this kind of clear liquid in these uh, jars, and you're like, whoa, that looks like water, or that looks like uh, <laughs> that looks like seltzer water. No, that's not that. It that's certainly moonshine. does not taste like that. Moonshine <laughs> yeah. is an unbelievable... You know moonshine, if you drink too much of it, will give you like temporary blindness? That's I a can, real thing I just found out. I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> unbelievable. Remember, my family's from the South, so so I don't, know, I don't know if they made it. I don't know if they bought it from someplace, from other families down there in, in rural Arkansas, but that was a thing, and I tried that once. And it wasn't... Again, that's not my go-to. Old Milwaukee was the go-to. Because uh, it was cheap. Yeah, that uh, was one of those cheap 30, 30 racks back in the day. Yeah, I do remember it, seeing those a bunch. Like Old Milwaukee and Paps Blue Ribbon, as a, as, when you were a high school senior, that was like the go-to. And, of course, again, all of these extra cans were always left around the house uh, in the cooler after the party's over. And it's like, huh, let's just try this. Let's, let's experiment on this. So that's what we're doing on Throwback Thursday. Just your memories of your first... Uh, go-to drink, whether it was late in high school or college, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Okay, so I see on the list here from, from Facebook, uh, Eric, one of them, uh, people remember their first taste of Boone's Farm. Hello, young lovers. Won't you try some good cold Boone's Farm, Strawberry Hill? Oh, yeah, boy. Right. Boone's Farm, Strawberry Hill. It's a taste of fresh strawberries. Now, doesn't that wine taste good? You're right, Grandma. Where'd you go? Look, she left the strawberry hill. One sip, and it's strawberry hill forever. <laughs> <laughs> what? I didn't even know there was a commercial for that. Oh, Did that not? That was a child. No, it was a grandma. She like uh, so watching the video as I put this in. She like peeks out from behind a tree and she's like, "Hey, kids, here's my Boone's Farm. You should have it. It's delicious." <laughs> if you pardon the expression, <laughs> wait just a second, Grandma. Uh, I don't think I want your Boone's Farm. Three one two three three two ESP is our phone number on a Throwback Thursday. Uh, we're asking you um, <laughs> your your the drink that you remember the most uh, when you're in high school and college. Your first one, your go-to, as we're asking you about it right here on ESPN 1000. Um, so let me go uh, to the phones if I can, Eric. Uh, let me go to 
um, Chris in Lombard, who's been holding patiently on ESPN 1000. Hello, Chris. Hey, how you doing, man? Good, you know, The commercial you just played reminded me of another one from back in the late 80s, and it was, what's the name? Night Train. What's the price? Fifty <laughs> twice. You guys remember that one? I do. Yes. We all, when you were broke, everybody bought a bottle of nitrate. <laughs> but my go back then with the two liters of Sun Country wine coolers. Mm-hmm. They came in two liters in orange. And I get two of those and a 12 pack of Michelob Light. Oh. You start the night off by chugging the one two liter. Now, all my buddies did the same. You chug pretty much, not in a row, but you drink the first two liter quick. You kept the beers for, you know, slow drinking, and then the other two later for the ladies at the end of the night. <laughs> yeah, they need something. Or if you were broke, the Stroh's 30-pack always helped, too. <laughs> That's tremendous. I love that. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Appreciate the phone call. He leaves line open, 312-332-ESPN is our phone number on a throwback Thursday. Um so uh, I also see on here on this list, um, hey, you know what? There is nothing like the combination of Bacardi and Cola. Hey, Bacardi guy, Cola, join us. Ladies, we have a problem. We're going to need eight more ladies. Ah, good stuff right there. Do you remember those? I do. I was, do. The white guy is the Bacardi, the black guy is the cola. <laughs> like, just <laughs> unbelievable. Eric, that's, I mean, you have to understand, this is like the 80s, early 90s. That's subtlety. I think that was uh, 85, if I remember yeah, right. Like, so, yeah. yeah so, <laughs> Bacardi and cola. Yeah, I remember that jingle. I remember that. They get the job done. They get that the job done. That is just blatant advertising. <laughs> You want to get lit? We're going to get you lit. That's all they're saying. You listen. You've heard all, all my hoodisms, right? How often do I, do I say it gets the, that that person got the job done? It's that true. team got the yes. job done. Where do you think I got that? There we go. <laughs> I should pull the little jingle apart for that. <laughs> exactly. How often? How often do you hear me say that? Just in regular sports, I do. Like, you know, I, you're right. Absolutely. Certain team, you know, that team got the job done. That player got the job done. Yeah, like <laughs> that, that's probably where I got it from. It listen to the commercials. <laughs> See, the first the best part of Throwback Thursday is Eric gets a kick out of the old school, before he was born, uh, uh, commercials and the jingles. They're we don't get those anymore. No, we don't. The production work is just terrific. I miss it. I really do. <laughs> on a Throwback Thursday, right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN uh, Chicago app, 312-332-ESPN. We got some good ones here. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines and talk to you. We will say hello to Jose and Elgin on ESPN 1000 with Jonathan Hood on a Throwback Thursday. Hey, Jose. Hey, how you doing, Mr. J. Hood? Uh, I like your show. Uh, you're, you're very good. I, I think you're number three of all time uh, on the radio. And, uh, yeah, when I was in high school, class Who's of the other two, Jose? If I'm three, who's the other two? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, Mr. J. Hood. I like Mr. Waddle, number one, uh, and I like Yurko uh, Mikovic. Uh, he, he, those guys keep it real, man. Uh, I, I like Cat, Catman, too, but uh, you three guys are my top guys, you know, because Catman's so famous that everybody likes him, you know. Uh, <laughs> but you, Mr. Hood, uh, Mr. Waddle, and Yurkovic, uh, you three guys are, are, are real good, and I, I really uh, enjoy and, and enjoy the, the show. 
But um, for me, Mr. Hood, when I was in high school, we, we used to drink uh, Little King's 64-ounce uh, uh, beer ah. right before playing varsity football. I'm going to be honest. We, we, me, me and my, we, all, we all played defensive backs, me and my three uh, friends, Ramiro and Ignacio. Mm-hmm. And we would drink two 64 ounces of Little King, just, you know, drinking slowly, not not to get drunk, and just go out there and have fun. And that's my story for being a young kid in high school, you know. <laughs> I, I love but, that. Uh, I love that. Before Lucky, the game, though, right? Yes, right before the game. We were, you know, right before we drink two, two 64 ounces of Little Kings, and then we have a good time, get hyped up, and try to, you know, break a football player. But, you know, when you're young, you want to play football, have fun. And luckily, we never got hurt, but we were just out there having fun. You know, we, we, we're young, Mr. Hood. And uh, don't get mad at people, but, you know, that's, that's how we used to do it. And that was in, back in 89. And uh, great show, Mr. Hood. And, and keep on doing your thing, man. I really like you, too, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's good to be liked, too. At least I'm in the top three, Eric. <laughs> uh, and, and very formal. Mr. Hood, the yes. Mr. Hood Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Okay, so we're doing a throwback Thursday here. What was your go-to alcoholic drink when you were in high school or college? 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our telephone number. Okay, so I'm going to go through a, a, a list here, and it's a long thread on Facebook. Now, you hit the commercial when you, when you, um, when you hear me give a uh, a brand here so so the first one that jumped in is john he says that when his go-to alcoholic drink when uh he was in high school or college it definitely was old style as loyal bud drinkers we have over the years consumed eighty-eight thousand eight cans of the king of beers so when old style said it was better brewed than bud we were skeptical liars i said but we've tried old style and found we had made eighty-eight thousand eight mistakes we're now trying to make up for that. How are we doing, Curtis? That's 10 so far. Well, only 87,998 <laughs> more to go. Eileman's Old Style, America's best brewed premium beer. <laughs> Classic, man. Old Style. Man, some good stuff right there. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. It would, I think it would be good if you could just be able to, for the new products, to be able to look at the old school commercials and pick up on those jingles so it could be something that can, can connect with today's consumer. That's what I say. So I, I'd love to see that. Like, right, we, we'll take, like, we need like a fancy white claw jingle. Like That's yes. what we need out there. Yes, a, a, a fancy, truly <laughs> jingle. <laughs> God, it's so truly. Uh, 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. Uh, we'll take your phone calls coming up, but also we'll just you know, go back in time or Throwback Thursday. What was your go-to alcoholic drink when you were in high school or college? Uh, we've got more stories to come right here on UTH. This is Under the Hood. Listen to me. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. The throwback. Throwback Thursday. Jonathan Hood. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app, we love giving you Throwback Thursday because you never know what we're going to come up with. And today, Eric says, here's the direction we're going to go, sir. I said, what is it, sir? He says, what is or what was your go-to alcoholic drink when you were in high school or college? (laughs) We've got some great submissions. We want to get them from you. 312-332-ESPN. I told you, like, you know, because of our family, you know, 
nobody could party like the Hood family uh, back in the 70s and 80s. And so that was always experiment time. But there was in high school, when you get an old Milwaukee or a patch blue ribbon, um, that was on time for sure. And, of course, was being a brown liquor family. That's why it's been so hard over the years to try to something new because I've always been a whiskey or scotch guy because that was always around me, you know. Um, and so there's <laughs> nothing like that. Did I tell that story again, Eric, about Ray Flores when he worked here, our, our combat sports expert? Oh, tell, tell it story. again, please. Should yes. I tell that story yes, real quick absolutely of, should. Of, of Ray Flores when he's doing updates for us uh, at night uh, on the show? And um, <laughs> Ray Flores, he was like, oh, bro, you know, I can really drink. You know, I can drink you under the table, Hood. I'm like, what? You could drink who under the table? He's like, oh, you could drink me under the table. I'm telling you right now. Ah, I'm just, I like, I, I just go for it, man. I just enjoy myself. I said, oh, really? So after the show, we go down to the, the bar down the street from the station. And I go, I tell the bartender, say, hey, bartender, got any um, <clears throat> old foster? And she goes, I think we do. And she like opens up the cabinet and, and there's like old foster. She's got to dust off the bottle. <laughs> like old foster, 120 proof. I go, there you go. There you go, Ray. Cheers. Shot of that. And he's like spinning in his chair. I go, no, how about this? How about Wild Turkey? How about Old Fitzgerald? How about, <laughs> it just kept going like, how about Beef Eater? And we just kept taking shots. And like after the fourth shot, we had, uh, I think Chris, Chris Adam and I had to pour Ray Flores into a cab. Not put him in a cab, pour him into a cab. That's such a good way to put that. I've never <laughs> thought of it that way, but that's that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah, he was so wasted. We had to actually pour him into the cab. <laughs> it's like, hey, take him to Wrigleyville. He's done. <laughs> just, just drop him off at Wrigley. He'll figure it out. Right. Like you can't dude. You can't go step for step for me on the old stuff, like the new stuff, maybe. But the old stuff that like he's constantly wiping off the dust of the old bottles of everything that's 100 or 220 proof. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Ray, you can go shot to shot for me, right? That'd be a fun game to play. You're only drinking <laughs> stuff that has dust on it. <laughs> 100, 100 proof or more. See how that works, oh. right? Oh, yeah. 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 It's it's. You have to have a stomach for it, and I've I've had the stomach for it over the years. <laughs> Not as much as now, like lately. It's but the recovery boy. now. That's that's oh. how. That's the problem. And like me, this you know, paint a glass voice I have, like you know, True. <laughs> too, too many shots, and I'm like, welcome in, son of the hood, on ESPN. Like that that won't work at all. Three one two three three two ESPN is our phone number. All right, let's go to the phone lines and talk to you. We say hello to uh, Bob and Lombard. On ESPN 1000 for Throwback Thursday. Hi, Bob. Hey, Jonathan. First of all, you're the best guy on the radio. And <laughs> be- I'm not kidding. And you know what? If they could put a show together with you and Carmen, that would be awesome. Because those shows, I laugh my butt off. <laughs> yeah, that's my buddy. We, we've, we've had fun in the past doing shows. That's, that's my guy, Carmen. We always have a lot of fun. So my throwback is in the late 60s when we were 18 or 19, we used to be able to buy a quart of Drury's beer for a buck and a quarter. Uh-huh. The old man who owned the bar didn't care how old we were, as long as we took it outside and kept it in a brown paper bag. <laughs> because right. he said, if the cops see the bottle of beer, they have to do something. If it's a brown paper bag, they don't care. They drive right by. And that was true. <laughs> See, it, yeah, you know what? You had respect. They had respect for you. They, you had respect for them. You wasn't going to you know, be wide open. You put the uh, you you put, a, you put a bag over it. 
Exactly. They didn't care as long as you were respected to what they had to do. It was awesome. And we used to just get on the curb and get wasted. <laughs> That's great. Bob, I'm glad, you, Bob I'm glad you checked in, my friend. I appreciate your phone call. Leaves line open 312-332-ESPN for Throwback Thursday. Here is Jason and Joliet on ESPN 1000. Hey, Jace. Hi, Jay Hood. How you doing? I'm well, thank you. Good. Hey, I'll do respect. I'm not going to call you Mr. Hood. Yeah, 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 you don't have to. We're friends. You call me, you call me John. You call me Jay. Doesn't matter. <laughs> so to make my story quick, uh, early '90s, uh, on the South Side of Chicago, I worked at a pizza place, and I would work on Fridays and Saturday nights, and I'd have one of the delivery drivers take it by me booze. Obviously, I wasn't old enough. Right. And we, you know, was about, all my friends would give me a list, of, and everybody wanted something different. So we would uh, go to forty ounces. I used to always go to drink St. Ives. <laughs> Which is the malt, a malt liquor? Yes, it is. And then the girls—I haven't heard anybody say Mad Dog Twenty Twenty yet. All the girls would drink that. Did you? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, eventually, I might have after my forty was done, I guess. But <laughs> I'm just surprised. I thought Mad Dog was a pretty popular one back in the '80s and '90s. Kind of like Boone's Farm. Yes, for sure. All right, all right, Jason, I'm glad you checked in. Appreciate your phone call. Leaves line open, 312-332-ESPN on a throwback Thursday. Mike in Lockport on ESPN 1000. Hello, Mike. Hello, Jay Hood. Mike, how are you, Bro. buddy? Bro, you're number one. Don't let anybody tell you different. At least number top three. One, baby. At least top three. <laughs> number one in my book. <laughs> so check it out. Check it out. I listen to you every day. You rock. But uh, kind of like... Kind of like yourself. I grew up in a big Irish family, drinking young, two older brothers to help pave the way. Nothing but, you know, whiskey, beer, and John Mellencamp and motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what uh, my go-to back in, I don't know, sophomore year, say Bush Light. Bush Light? Bush Light, Bush Light was the go-to for me as a kid. And I recall, I recall trying to call in a friend to school sophomore year hey my buddy's sick i'm his dad or, i'm sorry my son and it didn't work out so well busted he had to go to school i was left in the field by myself with a case of warm bush <laughs> pardon the expression <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> didn't work out so well but that's the last time i had that all right my friend glad you checked in i appreciate your phone call <laughs> <laughs> that was a great expression. Bush Light was uh, like my age is your Milwaukee best. It was like $12 for 30 beers type thing. Oh, it was tremendous. Yeah. Oh, it was tremendous. Um, Adam Michaels um, on Facebook, Facebook.com, says that his special was Zima. Zay, you're out for a beer. What do you have? Beer. What if there wasn't any beer? Sorry, guys. Never heard of it. Zima's good. Zima. There you go. What is that? No, look, just don't know. Zima's a unique alcohol beverage. I kind of like it. Anything else? Did you get pretzels? What day is this? Wow. Now that's a selling point, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. It's weird. Have you had a Zima? Long, yeah. Yeah, I remember when it first came out. Yes, I had it. I just... didn't do anything for me. It wasn't strong enough. So when I was in high school and then like older, it was gone. And I and I know it came back. I don't know if it's still back, but I did not. I have not had one ever in my life. Yeah, now I had that. It's it, it wasn't strong enough for me. So right. No, I remember that well. 
Um, let me go through the list real quick on Facebook, Facebook.com. Mike says Guinness. I know you've had that, Eric. Um, Not a fan. Unless uh, it's uh, Irish car bombs, I don't want it. <laughs> you're, you're amazing. I'm a drunk. Listen yeah. to this. <laughs> We're in the radio business. Of course you're a drunk. <laughs> so am I. Um, John Glass says Ice House Beer and 1800 Tequila. Leon says Boone's Farm in Old English. Uh, Mad Dog 2020, Brass Monkey, Lowenbrow for him in college, and Mickey's. Mickey's was the small bottles of... Um, uh, beer. Right. They were like, they look like grenades. They were little small green grenades. Yeah. Yeah. So Leon's, Leon has that. I'm, I wonder if they still have that. I think um, Mickey's is around still. John Henderson says, depending on the store, could be St. Ides, Old English, 800 Ice, uh, Cole 45. So Crazy. 40s is his play. He just, yeah, whatever absolutely. 40s he can get his hands on. Yeah. Purple Passion, Cisco, Miller High Life. Um, William says tequila, Bob Boxer. Remember Bob Boxer, do you not? Yes, absolutely. Bob, Bob Boxer, our longtime teammate here for many years, Boone's Farm. Um, uh, Joe Fisher used to work at our station, says Zima with, Zima with Jolly Ranchers. All right, we're getting creative. <laughs> I don't know Zima, like you said, not strong enough. Do you really got to flavor it up with Jolly Ranchers? Uh, yeah, it, it's an acquired taste. It just wasn't, it didn't do anything for me. Um, George... For, uh, George from uh, ESPN Omaha says Jägermeister and Red Bull. So Jägermeister. Yeah, yep. That was early in my career. Actually. Yeah, that wasn't. I don't know if that was Ooh. high school. I think I feel like I, the Jäger came in more in college for me. I remember. I can barely remember some Northside bars when, when, when I was working on Belmont Avenue and uh, I, <laughs> working at sport, doing sports radio on Belmont Avenue, Eric and. Jaeger came cheap at some of these bars up north, and it was just like, you just kept pounding with Red Bull, you'd be up for four days. Right, your heart is just palpate, like palpitating, because you're drinking this weird-tasting liquor, and then just Red Bull. Red Bull all God time. almighty, that's something. Uh, Mike says Jaeger, and any beer that he can get. Courtney Cross says, uh, always a vodka drinker, uh, Bay Breezes, and Kamikaze Shots. Uh, been there on the kamikaze shots. Um, uh, Patricia Woodbury says Boone's Farm, like Ice House on here, scrolling. Um, Mickey's Big Mouth, we just talked about that. And Jim Beam says Sean. Jim Beam, got, yeah, I got to Jim at a, an er, a late age. Later on in life, I was able to experiment on Jim Beam. Jim is always good when um, when Jack's not around. If Jim's around, we'll, we'll, we'll try Jim Beam sometimes. That's what it was. You felt like you were drinking the right thing when you're having a Jack and Coke. And then you're like, uh, Beam and diet? I don't know. Like sure. It just, just didn't feel right. Jack and Coke just was easier. You just, I mean, if, if, if the Jack's out, you know, try Jim. Jim's good. Uh, Malibu and pineapple says Gracie Blue. That's a girl's drink. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. Just, just like I never had that. That's usually you get a, you give get a date that. Uh, what would you like? Malibu and pineapple now. Like okay, cool. Um, oh, let me ask you the system we never talked about. Eric, have you had Goldschlager? I have. I like Goldschlager. <sighs> it's God just man. a spicy cinnamon taste. Like it's Bro. a it's a good one. Bro, I haven't had that in a long time, but boy, I tell you what, I could use that now because it would be great for my sinuses. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it, opens, it opens up everything, Goldschlager. <laughs> Goldschlager was always one of those that was good for like a puke and rally. If you got sick and you didn't have gum, your brush is just, it smells like you just had a stick of Big Red. 
That's true. Pardon the expression again. Yes. <laughs> on the on the on having the big red three one two three three two ESPN. Who's left here? We have Jason and Joliet. Jason on ESPN one thousand with Jonathan Hood. Hey, Jace. Jason out there about Joe and Plainfield on ESPN one thousand. Joe. Joe. Joe is not there. Let me try Scott. Scott is in the, the in Will County. I can find Scott on ESPN one thousand. Hey, Scotty. Yeah, Scott. How's it going? What's up, brother? What? Welcome to Throwback Thursday. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. What do you think now? Now, can you remember back far enough? Can you remember the time when you had a go-to alcohol drink when you were in either high school or college? Absolutely. I was actually a, a stock boy at the local liquor store, so uh, I got to try a little bit of everything every once in a while. Um, right. And the old go-to that we prefer was Bud Light, but we always went to Bush Light because it was cheaper. Um, but whenever you had the ladies over, if you couldn't afford the Mark's Hard Lemonade, what we would do is we would get Country Time Lemonade and put mm-hmm. Skull Vodka in it for them, and that would be our Mark, our version of Mike's Hard Lemonade. God, oh, that's nice, though. Nice little mixture. Mm-hmm. Summertime or well, anytime? Usually, it sounds like I would do that in the spring and summer. Yeah, you could do that in the spring and summer for sure, but... Usually, just whenever the girls come over, that way you didn't force beer down their throat. You can give them a little bit of a sw- sweet taste to them. Pardon the expression. Thank you, sir. I love that. I appreciate the phone call. Uh, Robert in Woodridge on Throwback Thursday on ESPN 1000 with Jonathan Hood. Hey, Rob. Hey, guys. First, I want to say that guy with the two liters he was chugging to pregame, you guys got to get a drop of his laugh when he had uh, when he got off, but... My first drink was actually some sake, and I remember there was an episode of that 70s show where Fez was drunk on sake, and then we just happened to have some in the fridge, and we went ahead and drank it. Where'd you get sake? Yeah, someone's mom had it, you know. It's exactly. I, I don't think I've ever had sake again. That's crazy. It's just it's randomly, because I don't think I've, I don't think it's ever so been random. like you. Yeah. Like I, don't... I think I think Waddle has joked about getting uh, Eric some Goldschlager for the Super Bowl party as well, but I'll let you guys go. Thank you very much. Is that true? It's possible. I don't remember that, though. <laughs> but it's totally possible. Yes. It's been a while. So there's <laughs> your throwback Thursday right here on ESPN 1000. Um, what are we missing? Oh, there's one more. And I'm looking through this. There's some white Russians on here from Tab. King Cobras from uh, Jonathan, who checked in. Jamie Baker says, in high school, is Miller Lite. Uh, and whatever's in the keg in college. Um a lot of MD 5050s checking in. Uh, Trevor is checking in with uh, Andre's Cold Duck. I remember that as a kid. Um, that was weird. That was always in the in the fridge. But we have to leave them with uh, the go-to, if you can get it, Eric, was always the MGD. It's real. I know it's real. There was a time when there was only one kind of beer. Rich, smooth, draft beer. It wasn't pasteurized or tampered with. It was just real beer. Miller Genuine Draft is as real as that. It's not heat pasteurized like most other beers. It's cold filtered, so it's as rich and smooth as only real draft beer can be. Miller Genuine Draft. It's as real as it gets. Go! Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. We are going to talk to Jesse Rogers coming up at 9 o'clock. He's got some interesting information regarding 
Major League Baseball and the labor disputes that's happening between the owners and the players, definitely check in at 9 o'clock for Jesse because he's told me, he texted me, he says, I got some information that you might want to know about what's going on with baseball. So check in at 9 o'clock with Jesse right here on ESPN 1000. Um, So for our special uh, Tales from the Hood, we will let you in on someone who was very close to Lance Armstrong. I don't know if you watched the documentary. If you have not, you should check it out on the ESPN, uh, ESPN Plus, the ESPN app. Um, so Lance Armstrong, noted cheater, a guy that was among others in cycling that wanted to dope uh, to be able to get the extra advantage. It's very similar to the conversations that we've had regarding uh, steroids in baseball and in other sports. So the other day, I was with my partner, J.D., when we do our shows on ESPN Radio on the weekends. We do our shows every Saturday afternoon. So if you ever drive around Saturday afternoon, just turn on ESPN 1000. You can hear J.D. and I be able to do our national Dickerson and Hood show. We also were teamed with Alyssa Lang on this show as a three-person booth. And we got a chance to talk to Jonathan Walters. Now, Jonathan Walters is the CEO of uh, EF Pro Cycling. But he was someone that was on the same team as Lance Armstrong and was uh, a great friend, um, longtime friend of Lance Armstrong until Lance turned heel, until Lance wanted to do his own thing. Listen very closely to the thoughts now from Jonathan Walters um, as he was uh, talking to us and we asked the question, what was your relationship with Lance Armstrong during your career? Oh, man, that's uh, that's a complicated question. Uh, I mean, it, you know, I... I, I mean, I grew up with the guy partially. Like we, we, I, I did the first race he ever did, which was when I was fifteen, and he was in bike race. That is, he was in triathlon before that. I was fifteen, he was seventeen. Um, you know, we were teammates for a short while. Um, we were friends at a certain point. We were not friends at other points. Um, it's kind of going through various various stages. Jonathan, how much did Lance mean to cycling based on the level of success he attained? Well, you know, that's, that's an interesting question. You know, there, there are other cyclists that won a lot more races than Lance did, but the difference was, is that, you know, at least from our perspective, Lance was one, he was American. And the big thing was, is that he was coming back from cancer. And so, you know, where you had a, you have, you have other riders, uh, like Eddie Merckx, who's a, a Belgian rider from a generation before Lance, who, you know, people would say, yeah, but Eddie Merckx won a lot more races. But Eddie Merckx was never the international uh, figure that Lance was because his story was, you know, strictly a professional cycling story. It wasn't a sort of worldwide iconic coming back from cancer, achieving the impossible kind of story. Jonathan, you're obviously still very involved with the cycling community. We're all looking forward to seeing what this documentary looks like as far as detailing the story of Lance's career. What would you say is the relationship between the cycling community right now and Lance as it stands? Uh, I mean, honestly, there's not the the professional racing community. There's just not a relationship. Um, I mean, Lance really hasn't been part of that world for almost a decade. Um, with the broader cycling community, I mean, of course, a lot of his fans and ex-fans and I mean, he, he's still, 
you know, a, a part of the history of American cycling. And a lot of people listen to his podcast and a lot of people listen to his insight regarding the Tour de France. And there are a lot of people that, that really like that. And there are a lot of people that really resent the fact that he even has a, has a platform to, you know, to talk about the Tour de France. Um, so, yeah, that's, again, super complicated. You know, the cycling audience as a whole, it's a really sort of split down the middle. Some people love his insight and what he has to say. Other people don't think that he should, you know, even be allowed to talk about it. Jonathan Vauders, the CEO of EF Cycling, is our guest on Dickerson and Hood with Alyssa Lang on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. What was the pressure like uh, on a cyclist, you know, during that era to take performance-enhancing drugs? How much pressure did people feel in that time? Well, I think you got to look at what professional cycling is, right? What the Tour de France is. I mean, the Tour de France is three weeks every day racing over 100 miles every day, racing at an average of, you know, around 28, 20 miles, nine miles an hour every day over mountains in rain and snow. We, we don't do rain cancellation, snow cancellation, hail cancellations, anything else in professional cycling. Like you get out there, you get it done. Professional cycling on TV. And I think to a broader or to a lot of people in the audience, it looks like, Oh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a lot of really fit guys in color, uni- colorful uniforms going around, you know, the French countryside. Inside that peloton, you're at war with the other teams and the other riders. It is a very cutthroat sport. Um, it's a very harsh sport, and it's an extremely high-performance sport, meaning when I say high-performance, if you look at the first-place rider to the last-place rider in the Tour de France, that's 100 hours of racing, and the difference from first to last is about two hours, which means the difference from first to last is less than 2%. So the margins between, you can imagine the margins between first and second and first and third and first and fifth, the margins are incredibly small. Um, It's like Formula One car racing for human beings. The, The body is pushed to its absolute maximum. So any small advantage that can be had, whether it's equipment, whether it's nutrition, whether it's training, whether it's tactics, whether it's strategy, and then you get into whether it's doping, those are always going to be very tempting for any athlete to try to deal with a, a an event that is so incredibly harsh and so incredibly hard and that pushes the human body to its utmost limit like the Tour de France. But, John, when you see athletes at the top of their game, initially you believe that what you're seeing is pure. So when you see Lance Armstrong, especially in that era, do you believe that he could have been great without doping? Oh, I mean, he was an immensely talented athlete. Um, I, you know, I started racing with him when I was 15, well before, you know, when he was doping. Um, you know, yeah, he was he was incredibly strong. Um, you know, it... It's a hard thing to say because, um, I mean, what you first said when you said when you watch a competition, you want to believe what you're watching is real and what you're watching is fair. That's exactly right. If if we aren't watching competitions that are real and fair, I mean, the whole point of watching competitions, we're trying to find out who's the best. So if all of a sudden doping enters the equation, it all it scrambles the whole picture, and you and you don't know who's the best anymore. Which is why, as a society, we get so upset about this. And you know what? We should, because even if all the guys, even if everyone is on the exact same drug at the exact same amount in the entire race, 
some guys, I mean, it's just like, you know, if you, if you wake up with a hangover and you take two aspirin with one guy, the hangover goes away with another guy that you take two aspirin and the hangover doesn't, doesn't go away at all. Drugs affect different people, different ways. So even if everyone's taking the same drug, doesn't mean that the result of the race would be exactly the same. And I actually really hate that argument when people say, yeah, but everyone was doing it. So it was fair. No, it wasn't fair at all. Um, but on the flip side of it, if, if you said to me, okay, but, you know, if, if nobody was doping and Lance wasn't doping as well, would he have been an incredible rider? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if he would have won seven Tour de France. I can't say because actually nobody can say because we have, we have no idea how that particular drug changed all those races. We don't know. Um, but he would have been, you know, he would have been very good for sure. Jonathan, I see in your Twitter bio, besides aggravating people with no sense of humor, you said you dedicated your life to professional cycling and anti-doping. What's your personal experience been with doping as you were involved more closely with professional cycling that has kind of led you into dedicating your life to that? Well, you know, my last few years as a professional rider, I just I hit a real rock, meaning, um, you know, I knew you couldn't be competitive without it and so i kept trying to you know it's like i would I, because i did dope in my career and i would try to stop and then i would go from being you know really good to very mediocre and you know you hit one of these points where you just say well i don't want to be mediocre but i don't want to dope and i had a newborn son at the time and so i said okay well i'm not going to be mediocre and i'm not going to dope so i need to walk away from the sport and then five or six years later I realized, geez, you know, every single one of these young American kids that is coming up with the dream of being the next Lance Armstrong um, and is racing now as a 15 or 16 or 17 year old, they're all going to hit that same point as well. And so I started in, you know, 2006, 2007, which is a really hard point in cycling, trying to sort of change the paradigm and change the way things were done into, into more than anything else, really help uh, USADA, the U.S. Anti-Doping Association, and WADA, the World Anti-Doping Association, give them insight and information and in how to improve their testing so that we could get it to the point where basically those 15- and 16-year-old kids, when they got to the point where they could be pros, they weren't going to have to hit the same point I did where they had to choose between being mediocre and doping. We're talking to the CEO of EF Cycling, Jonathan Vauders, on ESPN Radio. So, Jonathan, compared to... You know, Lance's era, uh, when a lot of people were doping, how has cycling changed since he left? I mean, it's 180 degrees different. You know, it's, it's, I mean, I mean, it's amazing the world has changed. You know, the testing has gotten better. Um, the, it, I mean, everything that enforces anti-doping, which was basically kind of non-existent in the beginning of my career, now guys come in and, and it's very hard. It's, it's very scientific. The anti-doping is very on top of these writers which is incredible. But more than that, you've got a whole generation of guys that grew up as, you know, 10 year olds or 12 year olds and watched Lance Armstrong's life implode underneath him. And that has changed the cultural part of the sport. Those, those guys look at that and go, man, that was a mess. All of those guys, meaning all those guys, meaning me, those guys, you know, a, a lot of us have had really rough lives after that whole um, era of racing. And, the guys now are, you know, these kids, they just, they have a different attitude about it. They're more socially responsible. They're maybe, I mean, the racing is still fast and cutthroat, but I mean, uh, the best way I can put it is they're a little bit nicer guys than we were. 
John, we all grow older, we get family, we maybe grow apart. Is there, Can you pinpoint maybe a disconnect that you had with Lance, maybe your biggest disconnect between you two? Well, I think at that point where I decided to, to – you know, to walk away and say I couldn't, I couldn't deal with the doping issues. At that point, I wasn't saying I was morally above it because I'd done it. I just didn't want to deal with it anymore. You know, that, that's a point where Lance wouldn't have made that decision. I mean, Lance, Lance is like, no, you, you know, you go out there and you get your job done for your sponsors, and you know that's what you're paid to do, and you can't just walk away. Um, I think when I started becoming more vocal about that, even though it wasn't a, it wasn't focused on him, it was focused on the sport as a whole. I don't think he liked that very much. And then definitely when I started becoming cooperative with the U.S. Anti-Doping Association, I think he really didn't like that. So those those uh, fractures are you know be very hard to repair them. Yeah, I'll let you go with this, Jonathan. Jonathan Vaughter is on the moment here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. I mean, for me. Like, I mean, look, I you you made the choice to dope because you laid it out. I mean, you went from being really good to, to being kind of mediocre. You've got a young son. You've got a family. I mean, people make decisions that they later regret. But I think the hard thing that at least I have with Lance Armstrong is it wasn't that he just doped. It's that he literally tried to ruin the lives of people that would he thought would blow the whistle on him. I mean, do people in the cycling community – if, if you don't like Lance, is it more because of the way he doped or, or the way that he personally just seemed to go after a lot of people that he thought could expose him? Well, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that, that's, that's the fundamental reason that eventually I came clean about Lance and, and that a lot of people did is that it's, it's not. It was like there were a lot of people that doped in that era. Um, think, like I said, myself included, but none of us have the level of animosity directed at us that Lance is. And I think he views that as very unfair. But the reality of it is, is that he hurt a lot of people along the way. And even that he won't admit to. He'll say, no, no, I didn't really hurt him. And it's when you're a person in an incredibly powerful position in the sport, it's very easy to squash someone's career. You only have to say one or two little things. You only have to, you know, kind of wink and nudge and nod a little bit. And there was a lot of that. And, um, you know, that that's – you hit the nail on the head. Like, it's the, there were a lot of guys that doped, and, and a lot of those guys are welcomed back into the sport because they served their time. They were good people. They made a lot of friends in the sport. You know, they, they didn't try to ruin anyone's life. Lance – did a lot of that kind of thing, and, and so he isn't welcome back. Well, Jonathan, thank you for being so candid with us. Thank you for giving us your expertise and your perspective. All the best to you, my friend, and your family moving forward, okay? Thank you very much. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.